You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 217 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the barn studio again this Indeed. week is my co-host yeah. Matt Smith. I know, it's very exciting. We might actually be in the new studio really soon. soon yeah, I'm I know. so excited. I know me and Matt had a little little stab at the new studio last night. We, we spent a few hours Indeed. in there, didn't we, Matt? Uh, we certainly did. Doing various uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Busy um, lining the studio. Lining the studio, yeah, yes, so it all looks indeed. nice and black. Indeed, yes, absolutely. We'll, but we'll hopefully have a date to announce yeah. uh, very shortly as yeah. to uh, when we're going to... Uh, uh, use it for the first time so uh, anybody who lives locally will be welcome to come and join us yeah, for yeah. said ribbon cutting ceremony <laughs> i think we should do one of those what do you reckon nev yeah absolutely <laughs> look forward to that that'd be brilliant really good indeed really good. Uh, so that is the voice of the awesome neville bounds welcome nev oh thank you yes uh, hello everybody uh, been a very hectic week again over here but uh, glad it's the weekend looking forward to a good show uh, plenty to pack in uh, this week and so yes. uh, yeah yes. looking forward to it <laughs> So it's the 18th of May, it's just gone past 7pm, and we're going to say a welcome to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Lane Street is in there, Graham Haley, we've got Armando is in the chat room as well, uh, Richard Adams, Nico Riga is also in the chat room as well, uh, just scrolling up to the top to make sure I haven't missed anyone. Uh, oh, Neville Bounds is in there. It's always good to have Nev in there. With yeah, the blues, ah, the blue scanner blues of death. Yes, yes. And uh, Richard, uh, yeah, did I say Richard King? Is Richard King is in there as well. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's good to see you all in there. The usual family mm. members in the chat room this evening. Indeed. No, uh, Auntie Liz has already given her apologies. She has. She? But uh, I dare say she'll be watching us or catching up with us on, on playback. So hello, Auntie Liz as well. Oh, and hello, Jeff Braithwaite as well. He's just joined us in the chat room Very as well. Good. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Timing is impeccable. I know. Uh, yes, There's all the push notifications going around the world. <laughs> To let Indeed. everyone know we're live. Indeed. But, uh, yeah, we've got loads of news to get through this week. And uh, we've also got uh, a second instalment uh, from uh, Nev for the Nev's passenger experience with Jan yeah. as well. So we've got that to look forward to. And I think, have we got uh, another, uh, a piece from uh, Pip this week? We have well? indeed, yes, absolutely. A new segment from Pilot Pip that yeah, the uh, first we sort of alluded of. to last week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we've got that to look forward to as well. A little yeah. uh, smidgering of military news as well. Uh, for all the military lovers, including a special story, uh, uh, well, a Dan Buster type story as well. Oh, good, very the, appropriate. Well, it is the anniversary, seventy fifth anniversary, yeah, yeah, isn't it, of yes, the uh, of the film? I believe. Yeah. I think uh, the Lancaster has been doing the rounds around the UK. Oh, Nev, is it? I think this week. Hasn't nice. it? Yes, I'm sure it was uh, over my house. What seemed about five hundred feet, um, <laughs> but probably was a bit more than that. But uh, yeah. you could hear it coming from several miles away. Let me you tell you, you could hear it coming Incredible. from space. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good, and. I'd like to thank as well uh, Mr. Alan Bales, who uh, will be joining us at the the summer barbecue Ooh, yes. later on this mm. year. But uh, Alan gave uh, me and Gemma a very nice air show mm. on uh, Sunday uh, over the top of the house with his uh, T fifty one Mustang, yeah. which was very nice to see. Got some great shots of him actually in the air. Uh, yeah. So thanks to you, Alan, for that air show. It's always nice to have your, your own private kind of uh, yeah. air show 
in your back garden. Indeed, actually, as you've mentioned it, why don't we why don't we just sort of do a little plug for for our barbecue meetup? Uh, yeah, as we speak. So, so don't forget uh, for those of you guys and girls who listen to the show who may be able to make your way over to where we are here on the east of England in the UK to PTUK kind of territory uh, on the 18th of August this year, which is a Saturday. Mm. Uh, we're going to have our very first uh, PTUK summer fly-in barbecue. Yeah, uh, this is going to be held at Sea. Airfield, which is where we done a live show from last yeah, year, couple, yeah, and the year before. Uh, Tommy, you may remember that one. And, a lovely uh, air show from there. A very good air show, um, but they're, they're not having one this year, unfortunately. Oh, no. But but we're going to have a kind of our own kind of air show as such, yeah. but a barbecue. Uh, so we've got loads of people flying in, which is really great, and uh, we've also got. Um, Quite a few people from around the area, hopefully, are going to yep. come and see us. But if you want to come and join us uh, for the barbecue on the 18th, uh, what they got to do, Matt? Uh, yeah, basically, uh, what we need you to register your interest, if you like. So please send us uh, an email to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com to register your interest in joining us. You don't have to fly in. You can drive as well. Uh, and uh, if you get in touch with the show and you're interested, as I say, it's a little little town called Seething, which is very close to the town of Bungie, which is where we're we're actually broadcasting from at the moment, and uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's roughly where the area is. If you need any further instructions, obviously make sure that you you let us know, and we'll we'll pass them on. But yes, eighteenth of August is going to be hopefully a really nice day, and our plan, if it all goes according to plan, is to do a live show uh, from there. Nev, you're flying in, I believe. Yes, Captain Al is picking me, and oh, which actually she will be the real Mrs. Nev. She will uh, be the actual Mrs. Nev. Yes. Uh, the only slight snag is the amount of gear that I've told Al that I'm going to be bringing with me. So yes. we probably will actually need a seven four seven freighter. Right, good. Uh, <laughs> but I think we're okay. We've had some uh, weight and balance discussions, okay, and I've got good. to lose two stone. Splendid. Right, okay. Just so yeah. you can bring all the gear with you yes. that you want to bring. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's an incentive if ever you needed yes, one. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Bit, look, uh, let's hope the weather is good because yes. it's the one thing that's going to mess it we up, isn't it? No if control. the weather goes bad, yeah. but actually, second week of August, I think we've got a reasonable chance, yeah. haven't we? Yes, fingers, fingers crossed, crossed. Yeah, yeah absolutely I mean what the, one of the great things about seeding which is one of the motivations for choosing it there is because it's all tarmac as well isn't it yeah it's got a good runway so it's got a good runway yeah. for, for people to come in and out of so you know yeah. you haven't got to worry about boggy grass at least which actually I, I know who we have got in the chat room we've got uh, Armando he might fly in you Ooh, never know might. Armando yes, if, you're, absolutely. If, you're, if you're not busy on the 18th of August yes uh, absolutely yeah, and if you are busy then cancel all your cancel plans cancel all your plans yes, exactly absolutely. and also we've got David Corston who's in the chat room hello yeah. David he's one of our Previous guests on the show, so yes. I hope you're yes. I hope you're well. <laughs> and one of only two people to make it to a hundred. I know. But anyway. <laughs> and uh, Jenny Parkinson. Greetings uh, from oh, Rome. Jenny, she I, says. Do you know what? I am so looking forward. To, as I say, uh, if if you're not aware already, uh, I'm actually having a little trip over to Rome, fourth, uh, fifth, and sixth of uh, June, uh, and uh, I'm meeting up also, hopefully, obviously, with the lovely Jenny, who's sort of agreed to come and sort of help us sort of get around Rome, but also the legendary, and I do stress legendary, the legendary Sir Grant of McCarran uh, is flying into Rome, which is actually the reason why myself and Owen are flying out there so uh, really looking forward to uh, to uh, sort of meeting up with him because I mean we've chatted to to Grant loads and we've all spoken to him on the phone and yeah. obviously he's been a guest on the show but actually to be in the same room with the legendary and poke and prod him Sir Grant, I know absolutely I, w- I will make sure he's real and not a figment of everyone's <laughs> imagination hologram. yeah absolutely so really looking forward to that so 4th 5th and 6th of June if anybody is in the um 
You're right there. Yeah. Uh, so everybody, really sorry, I'll, I'll finish. Shall I? Uh, anyone that's in, in Rome, please do uh, get in touch. Again, uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, and uh, as I say, 4th, 5th and 6th, uh, myself uh, and Owen and Jenny hopefully will be about. Hello, Andrew Hall. Andrew's in the chat room. He's a member at Seething. So, uh, Andrew, uh, perhaps you might want to uh, come and see us at the barbecue as well. Yeah, do, please. Absolutely do, yeah. Uh, Armando has actually said in the chat room that he might well do a Formation PA-28 fly-in alongside you, Nev. Ah, very good. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I think we'll probably be uh, clean out of fuel by the time we get there. Uh, uh, (laughs) We'll we'll definitely be on minimum fuel (laughs) with the weight we're carrying. (laughs) Won't have any time to faff around, yeah. You'll have to get get a glider, Nev, and Perhaps uh, uh, you, you might end up being one if we're not yeah. careful. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Well, let's oh, hope that doesn't dear. happen, Sanev. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh, no. Honestly. <laughs> okay, shall we, uh, shall we get on with some uh, aviation news? I know, we? I'm just yeah. li- literally reading the chat room. Oh, no comments. Okay. I think they're brilliant. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. Can, can, can we concentrate yeah, on the show? Okay, Is that all right? Okay, Sorry okay. That. okay. <laughs> so we are going to start the show then, as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Always. And if you're ready, Nev. Yes. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story, this is breaking news this evening, it and is, yeah. uh, sad news. It's uh, this has actually been picked up. I picked the story off the Aviation Herald because it's probably the best place we can go to get information on on what's happened this evening. But apparently, uh, an incident has happened uh, in Havana. Uh, a blue panorama Boeing seven three seven dash four hundred, which was flying on behalf of Cubana de Aviation and uh, performing flight. CU-972 from Havana to Holguin in Cuba uh, with 104 people on board lost height shortly after takeoff and burst into flames. Emergency services are in the process of responding and not many details uh, further details are known. Uh, the flight uh, which was uh, been operating various different flights during a day uh, was in Havana and uh, the Cuban media reports uh, say that the uh, blue panorama was being leased by Cubana de Aviation and uh, as I said crashed shortly after takeoff. Matt's got some pictures there which uh, are for those of you in the YouTube chat room you could see online. Um, very but, sad uh, news indeed but I, I looked up uh, blue panorama um, and they are actually headquartered in Fiumicino in Rome in Italy and uh, they have a fleet size of 12. They've got um, actually got three of these 737-400s. They've also got some uh, newer Dash 800s mm. and a 767 as well. Uh, but very sad news indeed. We haven't got any more so. information on nope. uh, what could have possibly happened there. Uh, apart but from we'll, we'll, as I say, we'll follow that, follow that story during the show. And uh, yes, all being well, we'll come back to you perhaps with uh, an update before yeah. we finish tonight. But uh, yeah, very sad news to start off yeah. uh, with. But moving on, on this uh, story then is on the express.co.uk website. And this could be uh, very good news for a certain host who's... Uh, uh, well, not in here, the studio with us, but he's uh, on the Google Hangouts there with us tonight. So, Nev, this is for you. Virgin Atlantic flights uh, and their airline launches its first London Heathrow to Las Vegas service. Ooh. So British holidaymakers eyeing up a holiday to Las Vegas will soon be able to fly from London Heathrow with 
Virgin Atlantic. The airline giant has launched a new route from the or to the Mojave Desert with flights taking off from the 31st of March 2019. Tickets are set to go on sale on the 19th of May 2018 with fares starting at £369 per seat. At present, only one departure time is offered with flights leaving London at 12.40pm and then Las Vegas at 1905 uh, Shai Weiss, uh, Chief Commercial Officer for Virgin, said the new services have been timed to offer convenient onward connections for UK and US customers and features our award-winning service and three-course meal and in-flight entertainment on every flight. The long-haul airline has also added a second daily Boston service and reintroduced its seasonal flights to Barbados. This marks the only direct connection between Heathrow and the Caribbean island. Uh, the Boston service will kickstart from the 31st of March 2019 with flights departing London at 20.30 hours and Boston at 0.30 hours. Fares will start at £313. Cheap. Uh, trips to Barbados operating uh, during the island's dry season between the 11th of December and uh, the 19th of February 2019, with fares starting at £554. Not bad again. Uh, John Holland Kay, CEO at Heathrow, said Virgin Atlantic would also be launching a second daily service to Johannesburg in October this year. Now, Nev, you're off to Vegas uh, very soon, aren't you? But you're obviously flying uh, Nev Air, aren't you? Yes, and very expensive economy ticket it was as well uh, nearly a thousand pounds from Heathrow to Las Vegas directly but it's the only service that there is um, but also look at this Virgin thing as well the, the prices look very attractive let's hope they've got some aircraft uh, that are serviceable because with oh, really? those uh, Trent 1000 engines um, being looked at I know this is next year but um, I hope they get everything together by then because that could be a bit of a problem but mm. uh, yeah it'd be, be good actually to give BA a bit of competition on that route because mm. there's, there's only uh, BA that does direct from Heathrow to Las Vegas. There's a Gatwick mm. 777 service, but there's a 74, uh, which I'm going on in a couple of weeks' time. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. All, uh, competition is always welcome on that route, definitely. Well, and especially, to be brutally honest, especially involving Virgin, um, which mm, I think yeah. is great news for the consumer, really, because they're, they're not known for getting things wrong, are they? And it may perhaps um you know buck ba's ideas up to mm. be frank mm. i'll yeah. tell you what over the last few months we've been running various stories on different long-haul flights mm. and airlines and stuff do you know and if you do look hard enough now you can find some bargain flights yeah you can flights yeah, definitely. you know there's no, there's no two ways about if you're that. not worried about traveling in economy um you can yes. you can <laughs> find can yeah, find yeah, some cheap yeah, flights but Indeed. uh Navi, are you not hoping to possibly uh, gr uh grasp an upgrade possibly on your flight? i'll see how we get on um i've um i've got my silver status again just been renewed for the next year so we'll see but um just looking at the availability in business class and in the pre in the premium com economy sections chock a block at the moment so i i, I don't know how they're going to get on with that but uh, wow. the 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 prices are just eye-watering i mean i know i've booked it a little bit late but uh, the premium economy fare was two and a half grand and the business wow. fare was four thousand pounds it's just absolutely horrific um, so yeah, we'll have to see, but of course they can, because I'm going as a time where there's a very busy convention and they know that they can 
fill every seat on the plane, so they don't need to discount it. They don't need to upgrade people necessarily. So we'll see how we get on. But um, yes, I'm not expecting any favours. Perhaps you should uh, play the PTUK card, Nev. <laughs> yeah, I must get some of those printed actually, and I can just uh, flash it at the um, at yeah. the operative when I go. We'll, in. Uh, we'll uh, <laughs> yes, and and some business cards, Nev. That's, that's the way. Yes. <laughs> we'll 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 post some out to you in, uh, immediately. Yes, that's, yeah. that'll be the answer. Uh, yeah. So moving on to the next story then. And Matt, it's uh, obviously a, a special one. Just yes, for you. indeed. Now, uh, viewers and listeners in the UK will be very familiar with this particular fellow. It's a, a chap. Uh, it's the Money Saving Expert website, um, which uh, Martin Lewis is very famous for uh, being very good at. Let's be honest. But uh, this uh, particular story uh, involving Ryanair, obviously, because it is story number two, and the headline is Ryanair to cut free check-in window. Uh, get it wrong, and you'll be charged fifty-five pounds a seat. Budget airline Ryanair is reducing the window in which you can check in for free from four days before flights to just two days from Wednesday the 13th of June. Customers who don't pay to reserve a seat will only be able to check in online from 48 hours to two hours before uh, pre-departure. And if you don't check in... Um, Sorry, my computer is trying to do a Windows update. I do apologise. <laughs> and if you don't check in during this window, you'll be charged a hefty £55 per person fee to do so at the airport. But if you do buy a seat reservation, which costs uh, from £4 upwards, you'll be able to check in from 60 days before your departure. The change applies to all flights from the 13th of June, both new bookings and existing reservations. Uh, so how is Ryanair check-in changing at the moment you can check in for free up to 96 hours in advance so you're uh, flying at 8 so if you're flying at 8 p.m. on Friday you can check in anytime after 8 p.m. on Monday from the 13th of June the free check-in window is being cut down to just 48 hours so you won't be able to check in until 8 p.m. on the Wednesday the change means that if you don't want to pay for the reservation you'll have a much narrower window to uh, remember to check in or online via Ryanair's app. I won't read any further because essentially it's uh, sort of repeating itself in that paragraph. But one thing that I will mention though, it says because new and existing bookings are being affected. So if you have a flight booked with Ryanair and you're departing after uh, that date, what was it, the 14th? Was 13th, the 13th of June. Of June. Yeah. Uh, please take note. As above, all new bookings and existing reservations are affected. Unfortunately, Ryanair says that if you've booked a flight for after the 13th of June and still want to fly and don't want to pay for a seat reservation, there's nothing you can do about the shorter check-in time. However, if you're really unhappy and want to cancel your flight, Ryanair says you can do so penalty-free and get a full refund. Be wary of this, though, as prices for alternative flights may have changed since you booked. If you're thinking of cancelling, it's best to check prices elsewhere before doing so. If you want to cancel, Ryanair says that you must notify it by Saturday the 19th of May. You can do this by calling its customer service team. Uh, 0871 So, um, yeah, basically, I mean, I would say from my own experience, actually, if, if you have got an Android or Apple phone, make sure you just install the Ryanair app and then you can do it using the hotel Wi-Fi if necessary. So, I mean, it's, I, I suppose it's an inconvenience thing, but it's not really that big, as long as you, you know, you don't forget. I mean, it's not really a big thing I these mean, it, days, it, is it? It's safe to say that all our, all our listeners are all very... Yeah, um, experts on. when yeah. it comes to booking in, checking in, and doing their stuff yeah. in bits and pieces Agreed. online. Yeah. And I think we all, you know, we all know when we can check in, and you know, yeah. we all go online, get it done straight away, yep. and 
you know, you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's uh, many people who forget to do. No, I don't think so. I mean, but it's more those who, you know, the the ones most likely to get caught out, of course, are those who are, um, who have already made their booking Mm, for a flight that's after the 13th of, of, of June. And that those are the people who may get caught out, of course. Um, but uh, any thoughts, Nev? Uh, no, uh, none whatsoever. Um, but uh, I think it's quite uh, the apps are quite good, aren't they? So I it, agree, it, yeah. it, and they do keep you up to date. And if there's a yeah. alert or a warning or something like that, they're they're pretty good at that. Kind of I agree. I agree. So moving on to the next story, then Nev, and uh, it's obviously uh, a special one for you. And this is also a very special story in regards to something that's happening here in the UK this weekend. Oh, it is, no, and I, really? I don't know how they've managed to squeeze the royal wedding story into a BA story, <laughs> but <laughs> people.com have managed it. Well and, done. Uh, it says that British Airways will be celebrating at 30,000 feet during the royal wedding. Oi, oi. I don't, oi. Know, don't know how they know what uh, altitude it's going to be flying at. No, indeed. Um, but it says a flight from London to Toronto on Saturday will be accrued, accrued exclusively by employees named Harry and Meghan. The island, the airline said in a press release, the flight, which is BA ninety three, I have actually been on BA ninety three when I went to see Auntie Liz in Toronto, Aww. will depart from Heathrow Airport at one ten p.m. about an hour after Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's ceremony, and head to Markle's adopted hometown of Toronto, where she filmed Suits and the couple made their first public exp- uh, appearance. Uh, the crew of ten will include two Harrys, seven Meghans. And one, seven Megans and one Megan, Megan Horsley, British Airways customer service manager, will lead the team on board. Uh, Harry and Megan's relationship started across the Atlantic, so it seems fitting for all of us to take off to Toronto on their special day, says Horsley. Adding, I've flown with another Megan once or twice before, but never seven, so we might have to call each other by our surnames <laughs> during this very special flight. Everyone on board will receive a personal bottle of champagne and an individual wedding cake. Passengers named Harry and Meghan will also get a special treat from the airline. Any customer departing from Terminal 5 on the big day who is called Harry, Harry Meghan or Meghan, spelt two different ways, and their travel companions will be invited to use the airline's first lounge access through the exclusive first wing uh, BA statement details and uh, all customers departing Heathrow on the big day will be treated to a traditional Victoria sponge cake in lemon and elderflower the flavors mm. of the royal couple's cake but the tributes don't uh, doesn't uh, don't end after Saturday passengers on the airlines long-haul flights will be able to watch clips of wedding highlights and episodes of suits as well as documentaries and podcasts about Harry and Meghan's relationship and the location of the wedding, the historic Windsor Castle, throughout the month of May. Well, that's um, it's very British. It, they can out of it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, how jolly sweet of them. Indeed, indeed. Although I was particularly fascinated by one of the one of the the images that I just put up there. There's a picture on the story that's got a uh, 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 the um, like name badges of everyone. And I was just I was just talking to Carlos <laughs> while you were reading that that Nev the, the sort of like the, the badge that says um, it's the future talent crew Harry. That that is a, yeah. That just sounds like somebody who's going for a night on the pull. If I'm honest with you, he's scouting for his you know his his oh. favourite types. But anyway, oh, there we are. <laughs> 
Tony S in the chat room said he's sick of hearing about this damn wedding. I agree. Yes, absolutely. And I'm a royalist and I'm still sick of hearing about the bloody thing. Oh, anyway. Oh, dear. But uh, no, I think that's very. Obviously, there was always going to be something, I think, done by BA in regards to. uh, to Uh, Will you be watching it, Carlos? That's the question that I have to ask. No, no. Will you be, uh, you know, making sure that you're sat in front of the television from the moment it starts to the the, the moment you finish? No, I think I'll be cutting my lawn. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, well, I would normally watch it, to be honest, because I am a bit of a royalist, but I have quite a hectic schedule tomorrow involving some filming, so uh, I, I, I won't be either. So, uh, But no. I, I dare say they won't mind. No. I think they'll manage. I, I don't think it'll be the end of the wedding, just because I'm not sat there watching it. I'm quite upset, though, that the uh, the Royal Mail lost our invites, though. Um, I know. I was hoping know. to do a live show from Windsor, yeah. frankly, but yeah. uh, that would have been fun. Very upsetting. Oh, mind you, I'll tell you what, all jokes aside, I would love 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 to be in Windsor right now because it would be essentially it would be broadcasting porn that essentially yeah. would be in Windsor about now the I mean it's just like you know the pictures that Nev very unkindly took of me when we were in the uh, broadcast truck at the, uh, the the BV event in in Birmingham was just harsh frankly you know <laughs> what earth would I be like in Windsor right now yeah <laughs> lots of, lots of uh, the American networks have come over and the Australians as well they have, so, yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely incredible stuff down there yeah I, I, I it's just I I love logistics like that. It's just amazing. Anyway, enough of the raw wedding. Moving on. <laughs> so the next story. The next story. Moving on. Swiftly on. Swiftly on. Uh, this one is on the Channel News Asia uh, website. This happened at the beginning of the week, or just on the uh, after the weekend. And um, there's a video that goes with this. But uh, the story, uh, most of you will have heard about the uh, the Turkish Airlines and the Asiana ding that happened uh, so this was uh, the headlines and asiana aircraft hits and slices off the stabilizer of a turkish airline plane in istanbul so an asiana ba- uh, aircraft bound for incheon hit a stationary turkish airlines aircraft in istanbul on sunday may the 13th the asiana airbus a330 was carrying 222 passengers when it hit the stationary Turkish Airlines A321, uh, slicing off the tip of the Turkish Airlines plane's vertical stabiliser. I think it was more than that. Um, The collision resulted in a small fire on the Turkish Airlines plane, which was swiftly put out by the firemen that were rushed to the scene. Uh, No one was hurt in the incident, uh, and they said that uh, the Korean officials plan to uh, send staff to Istanbul to investigate the incident. Uh, If the ministry finds the collision is Asiana's fault, the airline will face an administrative measure, uh, the Korean Times reported a ministry official as saying. A video which was posted on YouTube, which you'll be seeing now if you're watching the YouTube stream. If you watch that, there we go. Look at that. That's definitely a, a bit of a ding. Uh, so the video, which I, do you know, I don't think that's going to buff out. I know no. <laughs> the video which appeared uh, uh, on the YouTube. There's also some pictures as well. I with Matt uh, had no, a chance yet, to download no, those yeah. ones, but uh, uh, it, you can see the uh, the Asiana aircraft just uh, just having a little taxi pass there, and uh, actually, I mean, literally just um, well. That is a proper clout, isn't it? Uh, it's. Uh, I think for any passenger sitting on board that Turkish Airlines um, Airbus, that must have been a bit unnerving, I think. You, I mean, I, I'm assuming, obviously, said aircraft will now officially be a write-off. I mean, is that something uh, you no, can No, no, it's not written off. I mean, the, it says, the story says the flight uh, to Incheon was cancelled, funnily enough. Really? Passengers oh. were offered hotel accommodation. Uh, another aircraft uh, from Incheon was sent to transport them to South Korea on Monday. And uh, he's uh, one of the... Uh, 
people he spoke to said his sister was on board the Turkish Airlines plane and uh, they said that uh, she's okay and uh, um, but I think they were fairly shook up by the whole experience um, the plane wasn't fully parked apparently this says here in the report um, whether it was actually being pushed back or not, I'm not sure the Turkish Airlines aircraft was being pushed mm. back whether it had been not uh, pushed back properly but uh, I, I think this was a bit of an error. I, I mean, I, I would have to say the ground crew, the pushback crew, the you know the the, yeah. the crew that pushed back the aircraft. With it, I think it might lay with them the blame. I'm. Yeah, I mean something's gone terribly wrong. Yeah, there, what do you reckon, it? Nev? I mean, yeah, I mean you've seen the video, Nev. Difficult to say whose fault that was, but if I was the A330 driver and I saw that there was um, some you know limited clearance on my right hand side, I might have stuck the brakes on possibly but of course apart from the, the damage that you can see there's obviously some damage probably to the the apu and the exhaust and all the rest of it not the first time this has happened by any means and i remember was it shoulder call there was an a380 dinged a um <laughs> a md80 series aircraft and actually you know spun it around um or it was actually maybe not an md series it was something small than that maybe an embryo but uh, yeah um this is the thing with, with the um the large wingspan of these aircraft and, and limited um space available at, at the gates and on the apron area um you've got to be really careful with mm. maneuvering uh, in, in these areas and there is definitely limited clearance so um but yeah that could have been a lot worse couldn't it Absolutely. well yeah i mean there's lucky you're lucky there wasn't an explosion or something really i mean especially when they mention the word fire that always makes you a bit nervous doesn't it that's just yeah, Lane has said that there's no tug in the video uh, with the Turkish yep. aircraft. Very true. Mm. And also, uh, Richard Adams has said that uh, in the video that the uh, Asiana aircraft was moving fairly swiftly on the taxiway. Yeah, we're not going to back. I mean, I don't know. There is a possibility that, that may not be uh, real time. Yeah, because of the time of the video. C well, yeah. no, CCTV is is a tricky one, isn't it? It's not always necessarily running at. Uh, you know, it might be two frames a second rather than, than one, mightn't it, to be fair? Well, we do have a very qualified pilot in the chat room. Jeff Felmuth yeah. is in the uh, the chat room. Uh, Jeff is saying that the 330 pilot uh, should have stopped if the A321 tail was past the yellow line oh, marking the taxiway versus gate area. Mm. Um, and everyone agrees with him, yeah. But uh, Tony S has pointed out there, you can see all the hydraulic oil down the side of that uh, yeah, back there. But yeah, right obviously at the back of the plane, as you quite rightly uh, was saying, Matt, about mm. possibility of a fire, at the rear of the aircraft in the tail there, you've got the APU, which is obviously yeah. um, powered by fuel. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, yeah, it could have been, could have been nasty. a very, very nasty, very different story. Uh, we're very lucky that, that nothing happened there, yeah. really, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. So moving on to the next story, Matt, and another low-cost carrier story for you. Yeah, unfortunately, I was so busy faffing around with that, <laughs> I haven't actually loaded the story yet. I don't uh, want bear with me two seconds. Uh, so sorry about this. It's the Reuters uh, headline, is, is the website, sorry. And the headline is, uh, EasyJet to help small number of pilots with the cost of training. Now, this is actually something we were talking about, uh, was it last week or yes, the week before? Yes, yeah, a week before, I think. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, and we were so saying that's one thing that they could probably do to help uh, mm. matters anyway. Uh, this is uh, 
based out of Reuters in London uh, and the British budget airline EasyJet has said that it will cut the cost of training for a small number of pilots as part of a drive to attract a more diverse range of people to fly its planes. So flight schools and airlines are moving to sponsor more courses or cut the cost of training amidst a global shortage of trained pilots. Newly qualified pilots who are chosen will have to pay €9,900, that's £8,648, for their so-called type rating course, with EasyJet making up the balance of the bill, which is typically around about £30,000. That's frightening. That's genuine. I thought it was a lot more than that, I have to say. Really? Uh, okay. But, I, 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 but it's basically, it's the mortgage in, in real terms today. Well, this it? is it. This yeah. is this is a scary thing. It is it is literally a, a mortgage. £30,000. Mm. My goodness me. Anyway, uh, a typewriting determines which type of uh, plane a pilot can fly. A Boeing 737 or an Airbus A320 at Europe's low-cost carriers, Ryanair and EasyJet, respectively, and is sought by pilots after they gain their airline transport license. EasyJet said that the funding of up to 20 places for female or male pilots from different countries and backgrounds would help broaden the diversity of its uh, pilots, building on an existing initiative to increase its number of female pilots. We're pleased to announce that we're part, uh, we're part funding a small number of type ratings for pilots yet to get their big break in the commercial aviation world, the letter said. EasyJet's bigger rival Ryanair announced funding help for new pilots to fly its planes after it cancelled flights last year due to a lack of standby pilots. This is good news. It's definitely good news. I think it's, a step, could, in the right it's a step in the right direction. I think they could do more, personally. Mm. Oh, yeah. um, you know, if you want people to fly for you. I mean, you know, like, like we were saying uh, when we were talking about it, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's like literally, you know, tie them into a contract where they have to work for you for two years mm. or something like that, you know, to gain, to get, you know, get their money out of you or, you know, come up with a payment payback scheme or whatever, but to so just help people get their type rating. I, 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 I feel the air, airlines could still do more. Anything to bring down the cost of learning to fly and Agreed. to, uh, to for getting these, uh, for the, getting the type ratings especially and stuff, and that is, is good. Um, could help alleviate the, uh, yeah, absolutely. the pilot shortage for sure, yeah. Agreed. So moving on to the next story, and Nev, it's another BA story for you. It is, and it's on the buyingbusinesstravel.com website, and it says that British Airways has signed up to the TSA pre-check programme, which provides eligible passengers with faster security checks on flights from the US. Passengers who are accepted under the scheme can use fast-track security cues and do not need to remove shoes, light jackets or belts. Laptops and compliant liquids can also remain in the hand luggage. Uh, in March, TSA researched uh, revealed that 93% of customers using PreCheck waited on average less than five minutes at security. BA will now, now be able to offer passengers flying from its US destinations, both direct flights and those included in its code share agreements with American Airlines, the ability to register for TSA PreCheck. The approval uh, requires passengers to register for the global entry program, which involves an interview, background check and fingerprint scan. And that's exactly what I did a few weeks ago uh, at the American Embassy in London. I went there and uh, applied for the global entry, uh, which cost um, $100, and it's good for five years. That's you quite still good, need that's to have quite an value, though. though, as well. So, But the Esther is only valid for two years, so that's a bit awkward. Mm. Um, 
But um, talking to some of my chums that fly across the pond quite regularly, uh, the global entry thing does make a difference in, in terms of the, the queues and all the rest of it. So um, I'm going to try that out for the first time in a couple of weeks' time when I go to uh, Las Vegas. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 well, obviously, you, I, I, I'm sure you will report back, Nev. That's... Uh, Sounds very exciting, actually. It's, as well, I say, if you're travelling yes, to the States... Exciting, it's exciting, but it's, well, no, no, I'm, but it I'm, is, I'm, though. Cause all it, I'm doing is I'm trying to, you know, prevent the two-and-a-half to three-hour queue when you get there, having just done a ten-and-a-half-hour flight with an eight-hour time difference. Uh, it's, in economy. Uh, well, mm. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> Um, wow so, yes. yeah it's harsh uh, but um I, I think that um anything that could be done to help that w would be good so the tsa pre-check thing is quite good and i did that on the way back from washington uh last time so I had a business class ticket and included in that was the tsa pre thing uh, which did work pretty well i have to say so uh, we'll see how we get on yeah i, I look forward to to an update nev actually it's going to be uh, interesting to see how what your experience is uh, afterwards yeah. i mean i know obviously when we've spoken to dr steph she she rates it doesn't she she mm. really does yeah, rate yeah. it as a way yeah. of uh, gaining a, a faster access to to the u.s so moving on to the next story, and uh, this one is on the Bloomberg.com website. And uh, we've been talking for, for so long now about uh, all these poor 747s that are being retired uh, and being flown out to the desert uh, boneyards uh, you know, to, mm. to see out the last of their days. But it's good news. So the headline is, Boeing 747s are back from the dead. So the right. Queen of the Skies seemed doomed to the desert boneyards, but package haulers are rushing to snap up the ageing jumbo jets. A funny thing happened to an older generation of Boeing uh, 747 jumbo jets on their way to the dusty oblivion in desert parking lots. Instead of being scrapped, the humpback planes are back in demand as the workhorses of global shipping. The booming trade is uh, stoking the need for big long-range jets to haul time-sensitive goods uh, from Apple phones to China to fresh flowers grown in Latin America. Interest in the Boeing 747-400 freighter family was already rebounding last year. Even as Delta Airlines and United uh, Continental Holdings Incorporated hosted nostalgic farewell tours to mark the end of US passenger services on the four-inch behemoth, nicknamed the Queen of the Skies, with Boeing's factory fresh models sold out through 2021, Cargo carriers are snapping up jumbo freighters that were built from 1993 to 2009 if they can find them. It's tightened up, uh, that's for sure, said William Flynn, Chief Executive Officer of Atlas Worldwide Cargo Holdings Incorporated, the world's largest operator of jumbo freighters. The Lisa is in the process of adding six 747-400 freighters to its fleet. There are a uh, infinite number of aircraft, he said. The demand is strongest for U-747s originally built as freighters, since they have hinged noses that flip open to load oversized cargo, such as oil drilling equipment. Lease rates have rebounded for the aircraft, while the number of stored models has shrunk to the point where almost every airworthy aircraft is spoken for, according to George Dimitrov, the head of valuations for Flight Ascent Consultancy. The resurgence has even started to extend to cargo hauliers converted from passenger jumbos, which are heavier and can load only via doors carved into the side 
once written off as dead. The converted 747 freighters have shown new life over the last nine months, Dimitrov says. While it's not quite a comeback, lease rates have climbed for the older models. One sign of uh, renewed interest, we're seeing aircraft get D-checks that were in storage for a long time that were thought to be going to be parted out, he said, uh, using an industry term for heavy maintenance. The cost of uh, typically more than $3 million per aircraft is an indication they'll fly again instead of being chopped up. To be sure, the revival involves a small subset of the 1,544 jumbos that have been flown uh, away from Boeing's Seattle area factory since the four-engine 747 debuted there in 1970. There's no sign of a similar resurgence for the brand new passenger versions of the 747-8 or Airbus's A380 Super Jumbo. A global trade war could snuff interest in the older freighters, so would a big increase in oil prices. If we get to $90 a barrel, actually I heard a news report that the oil's going up again, mm. uh, is going to start... Surprise, surprise. I know, uh, starting to get really ugly for the four-engine aircraft again, said Brian Postal, Vice President for Aircraft Acquisition at Unical Aviation Incorporated in San Bernardo, California, based as a supplier of aircraft parts and maintenance. A, um, a U.S. benchmark exceeded $70 a barrel this month for the first time since 2014. Still, the recent trend reverses the steady stream of 747s that have headed to the boneyard in this decade. Airlines switching to long-range flying for more economical twin-engine models and Boeing last year dropped the 747 from its long-term forecast for passenger planes. Package carriers parked early build freighters amid whip-soaring fuel prices and prolonged air cargo slump. The total number of permanently retired or scrapped Boeing 747s more than doubled from 442 in 2010 to 890 this year, according to a Bloomberg intelligence analyst of Flight Ascend data. Storage is your slow march to death, Bloomberg's intelligence analyst George Ferguson said of the desert lots where the old aircraft go to be raided for parts. But starting in mid-2016, air shipments started to rebound slowly and then in monthly leaps. United Parcel Services, or UPS, negotiated a freighter order that will keep the 747-8 assembly lines open for the next decade. Atlas Air started lining up 747-400 freighters for customers such as DHL Worldwide Express. The older models cost a small fraction of Boeing's $403.6 million list price for a 747-8 freighter. In fact, Chinese package carriers um, SF Airlines uh, brought two of the youngest Dash 400s for 320 million yuan, or 50 million dollars, last year online uh, with Tabao, China's biggest e-commerce platform. So it's, it's well, it's hopefully looking to to be quite good news for um, for these poor old 747s that are in the desert. At least they're being brought back uh, back to life again in the guise of a freighter, because we all know that um, nowadays you know, air is king for moving large things. I mean, Amazon have their own uh, aircraft now, and obviously yeah. the uh, the cargo carriers. I mean, there's so much cargo brought into even Stansted, London mm. Stansted here in the UK. Yeah, a lot of cargo comes into there. 
But um, yeah, it's good news. Yeah, I wonder if somebody could take the next story for me. I've just got a bit of a a technical glitch here. Uh, We're having some minor buffering issues at the moment, so apologies for that. It's not your end. It is actually occurring at this end, thanks to Windows 10 doing an update during the middle of the show. So, oh, uh, that's so unusual, isn't it? I know, (laughs) indeed. Uh, So I'm currently looking into a way of turning that off uh, while we're doing (laughs) that. So if somebody else, the IC. Well, um, yeah, indeed. I'll I'll do the uh, the next one, shall I? Okay, go on then. Please do. Uh, so this is on the digitaltrends.com website, and it says that uh, smart luggage maker Raiden has suddenly ceased operations. Oh. It's the second startup to fold in the wake of stricter rules put in place by airlines concerned about the safety of the bag's lithium-ion batteries. We've been there before, haven't we? we have, yeah. uh, American Airlines, Delta, and Alaska Airlines imposed new rules in January saying that if the battery is built into a piece of smart luggage and cannot be removed, it won't be allowed on the aircraft. Uh, United and Southwest Airlines followed suit a short time later. If the battery is removable and the smart luggage is heading to the hold, it needs to be separated from the luggage at check-in and taken into the cabin. Smart luggage offers a range of battery-powered tech that can include anything from GPS capability so that you don't lose it, to built-in digital scales so you don't exceed your weight limits, uh, into a, or also into a motor that turns into a scooter so that you can whiz through the airport to your gate. I've never actually seen that. And uh, no. if I did, I'd probably have to take a, a video of it. Yeah, um, I would love it, to, I'd love to see one, actually. Yeah. It says, whilst their smart luggage does use removable batteries, the strict rules have made travellers more wary about purchasing such items, devastating what until recently was a steadily growing market. New York-based Raiden posted a message on its site this week explaining the situation. It said that all existing si- uh, shipments have been processed for delivery, but it can no longer process returns exchanges or repairs customers can still travel with their raiding cases with the batteries simply removed as directed by each airline the now defunct company said in its message which uh, also noted that its companion app will continue to pair with its smart bags focusing on the reason for its closure raiden said the changes in policies concerning batteries in luggage uh, in december by all major airlines severely impacted the usefulness of our products and their value to our customers our business performance and ultimately the ability to continue operating raiden's demise comes just weeks after a similar outfit uh, new york-based blue smart ceased operations. Mm. Blue Smart said the new rules imposed by airlines placed it in an irreversibly difficult financial and business situation. Due to the fire risk that comes with damaged or poorly made lithium-ion batteries, the power source had been a serious concern for airlines ever since the technology was introduced. Uh, the smart cases aren't the first gadget to be targeted by, uh, by airlines either. In 2016, the US Department of Transportation banned Samsung's troubled, uh, troubled Galaxy, I can't speak today, I'm sorry, banned <laughs> Samsung's troubled Galaxy Note 7 from being taken onto aircraft. And before that, that so-called hoverboards faced the same action after batteries inside a number of the personal transporters suddenly exploded. Um, I, I don't know what these people think. We've had this lithium-ion thing problem for some time now, so it's not surprising, for me uh, as a amateur chap, um, that these things aren't going to be allowed on board uh, when they're connected. 
Agreed. So we've we've had we've covered the stories, haven't we, Nev, for for a while now about uh, battery issues and stuff with with either the kind of the the but the what they call them the you know the chargers to hand um, bricks kind of charge bricks and yes. stuff that people take on board and these I think these cases these smart cases and stuff without the removal batteries were, were kind of doomed from the from the start. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, or, or why, or why not? As as, as again, has been alluded to the, the again by by the legendary Tony S. He's saying, why couldn't they do it so that you could have sort of like alkaline batteries that you installed mm. in it? So at least that wasn't going to be an issue. Like you know, I I don't know, may, uh, great idea. Obviously that it can be fully recharged, etc. But uh, I mean, it's always sad when when uh, you know it's, they're they're a fascinating idea, but uh, perhaps. Uh, mm. You know, using lithium. You know, they they should really have known that these batteries were going to be a problem. Really, I suppose. Yeah. Also, lithium ion. I mean, they do charge fairly quickly, don't they? Mm. Um, yeah. uh, but of course, you do, you do end up with a situation where they just mm. uh, regular alkaline batteries. In fact, actually, Richard King just mentioned yes. this in, in, yeah. in the chat room. That there's not enough energy, really, um, in in those uh, in in that, True. that kind of technology. Yeah. But uh, it it's still some way to go. This whole lithium ion battery technology will continue to be a problem for some yeah. time yet and uh, until they find something better agreed yeah it's it's um <sighs> yeah you know, it's a bit of a shame Re- really is a bit of a shame but it's when a company goes and you know like that but there we go yeah we, there'll, there'll be some new innovation soon i think no doubt do you want to take the next one matt or do you want uh, your, which one um, which one is it story this number one is all uh, this one's on the witch.co.uk website uh no no, can't find it. No. So this one is on the <laughs> witch.co.uk website. And the headline, low-cost airline cancels flights due to lack of planes. Oh, right. So we've gone from pilots now. We're going to planes. Okay. So uh, <laughs> uh, Primera Air has cancelled its maiden flight from Stansted to Toronto 15 days before it was due to take off. Uh, if the budget carrier had cancelled one day later, passengers would have been entitled to €600 Euros compensation. The route is one of a number of new ultra-cheap transatlantic flights that the Icelandic carrier has launched in recent months. As well as routes to Spain, it already flies from Stansted and Birmingham to Boston and New York. The maiden flight from Stansted to Toronto was due to take off on the 31st of May, but this has now been pushed back to the 2nd of June. Uh, flights will begin from Birmingham on the 23rd of June. A report in the May issue of Witch Travel or Maga Witch Magazine Travel found that uh, one Primera Air flight from London, New York, uh, or London to New York, uh, cost just £376. That's not bad for the basic ticket, while rival Virgin Atlantic charged t- £630. Lovely. Uh, even adding on the expensive extras uh, that Primera offer to passengers a standard chicken meal, for example, costs £30. Costs £30 for a chicken meal? Blimey. Um. <clears throat> Uh, but it still only makes that £512. So, uh, airline without planes. However, which travel has received a complaint from a member uh, whose flight home from New York on the 23rd of April was delayed by seven hours? She says that she was told by a member of staff at the airport that Primera Air's aircraft were not ready and therefore it was borrowing from other airlines. In a comment to the independent, Primera Air blamed a delay of aircraft delivery from the manufacturer or uh, for problems it has experienced. 
It seems amazing that an uh, airline can start operating when it has no aircraft, uh, the, she commented. Uh, she is in the process of claiming her compensation for her delayed flight, which should be €600. Euros. Primera Air is due to launch new routes this summer from Stansted to Crete on the 27th of July and Palma de Mallorca on the 28th of July and Washington on the 20, uh, 22nd of August. Uh, new routes are also being launched from Birmingham to Toronto and we're going to go see Auntie Liz, shall we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's do that. So uh, Primera told uh, the, uh, story, the uh, story company here that the delivery of the A321neo's aircraft have been delayed for several days, which has an, had an impact on our operations. We expect to receive the aircraft uh, soon, and therefore it won't affect any of the scheduled flights. It also told um, the reporters that the it does have 10 Boeing 737 aircraft and one A320neo. And if an airline cancels a flight with less than two weeks' notice, it has to pay compensation unless it can prove that the cancellation was caused by extraordinary circumstances. But uh, blimey, you thought you, you think they would? You know, wouldn't you wouldn't schedule a flight unless you got the planes to to fly these flights, wouldn't yeah. you? Um, it would be nice to have seen a, a picture of the A three twenty one Neo rather than the seven three seven eight hundred, which yes. has no prospect whatsoever of going from Stansted to Toronto. <laughs> uh, but obviously, if it's not ready, they can't even take a picture, Rick. Really, no, no, apparently no. not. It's no, they're going to have to go to Airbus and uh, borrow and get, one. And yeah. borrow one. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but there are there are ways though. There are companies out there. Mm. Uh, we have two in the UK, I think who can at short notice you can you know call sort of a wet lease and yeah. wet lease a aircraft and crew oh, oh like um, literally ready to go ready yeah. to go yeah so i'm surprised that rather than annoy countless people they didn't just um you know i don't suppose such a service is cheap though and mm. some of these low cost models perhaps wouldn't be able to justify the the expense if you see what mm. i mean maybe so moving on to yeah. the next story. Yeah, the next story. This is uh, on digital trends. No, it's not. No. <laughs> Aeronautics Online. I give up. Right, so yes, yeah, so, so this is on aeronauticsonline.com. I'm going so, home. That's it, I quit. Uh, the headline is Engine Problems for Norwegians 7. Is it Nor... Hang on. Am I saying this right now? Nor Norwegian. Norwe Norwegian. 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 Is that right? Norwegian. Yeah. Norwegian. Yes, Norwegian. okay. Norway. Norway. Yes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not what. What do you normally say? You say something a bit weird, don't you? Oh, shush, get yeah, okay, right, okay. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, engine problems for Norwegians seven eight sevens. The formidable growth of Norwegian air shuttle continues with a capacity of thirty six percent in the first quarter of twenty eighteen. But problems with the engines on the Boeing seven eight seven Dreamliner aircraft could affect its ambitious plans for twenty eighteen. The airline said the airline made a loss of forty six point two million Norwegian krone, which is about four point one. Six million pounds in sterling uh, between January and March. A tiny figure compared to the uh, uh, is it NOK NOK? Uh, mm, that's it. The 1.49 billion loss that they made. That's 134 million pounds uh, loss in the same period of last year. But the results. But the result was positively affected by a financial gain from reclassification of the investment in Norwegian Finans holders of NOC 1.9 billion. Okay, that's that's 
I don't know, like glass half full approach to <laughs> solving the issue anyway. So the growth plans for 2018 could be hit by problems of a batch of Rolls-Royce Trent engines, which I think you did you you were saying when you, you saw some yeah, yeah, throw yeah, when yeah. you were, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the parts are wearing out much faster than expected and European and US safety regulators are imposing restrictions on the operations of the affected Dreamliner aircraft. There are in fact two engine issues, two parts of a about 380 uh, Rolls-Royce engines on Boeing 787s that have potentially serious problems. The Package C variants of the Rolls-Royce Trent 1000s are on some planes used by air- airlines including Air New Zealand, ANA, British Airways, uh, Latham and Virgin Atlantic as well as Norwegian. Uh, there's been uh, concerns about corrosion of turbine blades towards the back of the engine since 2016 and a replacement program is in place. Rolls-Royce has said that extra checks on one of its planes engines will add unexpected costs and cause further disruption for airlines in an embarrassment for one of the UK's top engineering groups the company said more inspections would be needed to tackle the problems with its Trent 1000 engines which are used on Boeing's Dreamliner 787 The airline said Norwegian and several airlines worldwide have unfortunately been forced to conduct extraordinary inspections on a number of Boeing 787 Dreamliner aircraft due to the issues with the specified type of Rolls-Royce engines. This will affect our operations going forward, but it is too early to predict the scale of the issue. Norwegian has recently revealed to be in a possible acquisition target for IAG, the parent company of British Airways, which has brought a 4.6% share in the airline. The airline said it is also considering other expressions of interest. The Norwegian Board of Directors has established a steering committee and engaged financial and judicial advisers to review the situation, handle relevant inquiries and to the safeguards of interests of all shareholders. The start of many future routes have been cancelled or postponed, like Milan Malpensa, Malpensa, Los Angeles, which was planned for next June. Uh, yeah, so it's um, not good news. It's affecting really. many airlines. It's safe it to is, say. That I this, mean, it's not just Norwegian, thing. is it? I mean, BA, Virgin, British Airways, Virgin. I mean, these are yeah. all big carriers, uh, mm. and it's uh, yeah, a bit, bit sad, really. I mean, ho- hopefully they will get it solved quickly. Actually, can I ask uh, Nev a question? Nev, you've you've got got the story in front of you here, and there's a picture uh, oh, that's no. top of this story of uh, of the Dreamliner, uh, the Nor- Norwegian Dreamliner here. Um, with, a, with a certain something um, extended below the belly there, which is something that's used um, in only when something's gone wrong, if you notice, uh, Nev. Let me just have a quick look at the uh, story there, because it's actually come up on my, my phone. Uh, that's the uh, the rat, isn't it? Yes. The ram air turbine. So uh, that would assume that uh, there's been a complete <laughs> sort of hydraulic failure of some sort or, or Lots something of <laughs> weird. Uh, what? How odd to put it on a photograph like that. Very strange. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 a rat. It's a rat, Matt. Yes. Right. I mean, it's turbine. slightly less furry than I'm familiar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a, as it's, a species. Um, yeah. It's kind of a you know the wind turbines you see around here. Yes, I have it's heard a, of them. It's an yes. incredibly smaller version of a wind turbine. Right. Okay. But it supplies kind of a minimal power to all the aircraft systems and stuff if um, they should have a uh, an issue. Or something. Oh. But I just found it was a bit, Perhaps bit they strange. Were issues. Yeah, I just found it a bit, <laughs> st- a bit strange. You know, and a story about engine issues, and they've got uh, a picture right. of this Norwegian okay. aircraft. Someone having the, some uh, power problems. Yeah, a bit of artistic <laughs> license there. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> moving yes. on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. The next story. 
And this one is, uh, was this me or Nev? That would be Nev. Nev. Yes. It's on Flight Global, and we like the Flight Global website. This is an interesting story. It says that Europe's safety authority is cautioning operators that dark liveries can potentially result in parking collisions because visual docking systems might not be able to recognize the maneuvering aircraft. The European Aviation Safety Agency has issued a bulletin advising airport operators that advanced docking and guidance systems could fail to identify an arriving aircraft. Its advisory follows a recent probe into a collision in which a parking aircraft's engine struck the passenger air bridge. The carrier involved in the collision, not named by EASA, had encountered similar problems owing to the dark colour of the aircraft, said the authority, and that such occurrences had happened elsewhere in the world. EASA says these events appear to involve more than one type of visual docking guidance system. Mitigating operational procedures have been put in place at some locations. However, there have been cases where the personnel involved in the docking procedure were not always informed of the already established mitigating measures, says EASA. Moreover, there seems to be cases of aerodrome operators and competent authorities that are not aware of this issue. EASA is recommending that airport operators determine whether their docking system could potentially suffer identification problems as a result of aircraft colour and ensure that operational procedures to cope with malfunction are clearly communicated to all personnel. Well, there's quite a few aircraft out there that are slightly I was going to say Air New Zealand. Their, um, their yeah, new their tail livery is black almost. Well, actually, no, no the, the new livery, the new Air, Air New Zealand livery, the whole... Um, fuselage of the aircraft is, is black okay um so that could could prove slightly challenging mm. i think yeah i think there are a few airlines out there who do I'm trying to think now who who have kind of an all black kind of fuselage cover uh, color but um mm. yeah you, you think the technology would kind of be able to get round that mm. i don't know how the sensors would work yeah. but what do you reckon nev yeah interesting isn't it i wonder um yes you, you only sort of find these things out when the thing's in operation, because I'm sure the, the manufacturers never thought for one moment that uh, mm. uh, when they built this system that uh, dark-coloured aircraft would, would have this problem. So, Indeed, uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, that is very true. So the next story is uh, is on Flight Global, and uh, this is a following-on kind of thing from the Southwest incident a few weeks back. And uh, the headline, Southwest launches fan blade tracking after April's engine failure. So Southwest Airlines are going to launch an internal system to track all of its engine fan blades by serial number following the in-flight failure of a CFM 56 engine in April. The Dallas-based airline says there has never been a need to track fan blades that precisely, but it's rolling out an initiative as it hopes to prevent a repeat of the blade fatigue that was uh, related to the 17th of April engine failure, which uh, unfortunately killed one passenger. Southwest aims to have the internal tracking system set up shortly. Chief Operating Officer Mike Van Der Van tells Flight Global that the airline shareholders meeting in Annapolis. Uh, last week the airline completed inspections on more than 
35,000 fan blades. Wow. An effort that began uh, in 2016 after a similar incident in August of that year, also involving a cracked fan blade. The carrier accelerated inspections of the remaining fan blades following the 17th of April in, uh, incident. Uh, Chief Executive Gary Kelly says there were zero findings from the inspections that were recently wrapped up, but says the airline removed a couple of dozen blades that were showing coated anomalies. These were sent back to CFM for further checks that will be more invasive beyond the airline's ultrasonic inspections, he adds. There is a more precise and more invasive step that can be taken if you find uh, and or if you can indeterminate results from ultrasonic inspections uh, within, with slight um, discrepancies that are found, he says. Uh, this is an extra cautionary step that they're taking. Van der Ven says that about 20 to 30 blades were returned to CFM, but stresses that the coating anomalies could be simply due to wear and tear. The airline is also completing an audit of its records to ensure that it has inspected every fan blade that requires the checks. He uh, says, what I want to be able to say is that every fan blade with more than 3,000 cycles has been inspected and is uh, in a program to be inspected every 3,000 cycles, he said. The airline estimates it cancelled around 500 flights as a result of the engine inspections. And obviously, this is a really good idea. It's, um, you know, getting to the kind of the... the um, the root kind of issue that uh, they have mm. with some, obviously, some of the fan blades, but uh, it's it's almost Matt like a kind of MOT for uh, for, an, for an engine. Don't kind talk of to thing. me about the word MOT. <laughs> <laughs> but it, scary times are ahead if you're a diesel car owner here in the UK. Oh blimey! <laughs> Shush, the TriStar vans, diesel. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, you'll be all right because you haven't got one of those silly diesel particulate filters. So they're no. actually the rules don't change for you. But if you've oh, got okay. a new enough car that's got one of these stupid filters, anyway, it's got nothing to do with aviation. Sorry, <laughs> you, you've just yep. caught a nerve. I know, I'm very afraid. Yeah. But no, it's it's good. Uh, obviously. It, it, this is good news. It, you know, it's it's proactive. They're doing something yeah, to definitely. to you know to get to the you know mm. situation sorted and resolved. So that's good. Yeah, definitely. It's, so it's, it's moving on to uh, to well, it's it was, there's no more stories actually, but there is a a refresh on the story that we okay. started yep. the show with mm. um, because the story has come slightly changed. Uh, a little bit, actually. Has it? Okay. Um, so we're going back to the uh, Aviation Herald again for this. It's updated now. This was update, uh, updated about ooh, 20 minutes ago. Okay. And uh, the story on here that we said about the crash uh, in Havana uh, today. And uh, a global airliner, Damo Boeing 737-200, uh, which was flying on behalf of Cubana de Aviation. Registration X-ray Alpha Uniform Mike Quebec on, mm -hmm. uh, performing flight CU-972 from Havana to, um, to Holguin, Cuba. Had 104 passengers on board, uh, lost height shortly after takeoff, burst into flames. Uh, emergency services, as we said at the beginning of the show, um, are obviously still on scene. Uh, Cuban authorities confirmed that the accident, uh, after the accident happened, there was a uh, quite a large, intense fire. Um, the Cuba's Ministry of Transport have said that the aircraft belonged to Global Airliners Damo, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, mm. based in Mexico. Um, the air airline has obviously posted on its website where the relatives can get uh, hold of them. Um, Cuban media has reported that a blue panorama 737 leased by Cubana de Aviation, uh, which has crashed, but obviously we've uh, changed that. That's been updated since mm. that uh, particular story broke. But uh, yeah, a 7 
37200. That's um, quite an old aircraft now, Nev. Pratt and Whitney JT-8Ds. Yes, I remember going on a Britannia, one of those, mm. from Luton to um, Belfast, I think it was in, in the old days. And um, this was before the, all the hush kits were fitted and all the mm. rest of it. They were particularly mm. noisy aircraft. Not they were. Comfort, and very smoky as well. So, But it could be all sorts of things. It could yeah. be engine failure. It could be flap settings. Oh, there's, you know... Um, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, weight and balance issues, mm. all, all sorts of things. So, uh, yeah, obviously far too early, but uh, but clearly it's a it's a devastating accident. Yeah, yeah. So if it is, if, if that is the particular aircraft in question, which they've said in the report, um, that particular aircraft was actually uh, mm. thirty years old. Uh, first flew in nineteen eighty-eight. Right. Gosh, it's not that old then, really. Thirty years old is for an aircraft. It's it's fairly old. I mean, if uh, yeah, but I mean, I mean the the old um, the old seven four sevens that 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 Nev's off to uh, Vegas, and I mean they they're not they're not that far. They're getting on a bit. They're getting yeah, on a bit. Yeah. Indeed, uh, uh, early nineties, uh, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Um, but the aircraft had quite a few owners. Just looking here, it? yeah, right. it's, it's had uh, unloved. <laughs> it started off. With, it actually started off with Southwest right um, back in nineteen eighty eight. Um, but it's had a, quite a few owners since then. But it's very sad news, and obviously. It is, um, yeah. You need to uh, to follow the various news streams to get up to date information yeah, on okay. that. Uh, no news as yet as to um, survivors and things. Uh, yeah. One of the CNN reports has said that there could be possibly three passengers um, survived um, from that flight, but that's right, that's gosh. obviously could change. So uh, it's very sad news yeah, indeed. Watch, but watch um, this space. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We'll check in again before the end of the show. But mm. uh, yeah. So that's where we bring the commercial news segment to a close. Uh, so as I said uh, at the beginning of the show, we have got coming up next something very special. So we're going to hand things over to the legend that is Nev. Yes, do you remember a couple of weeks ago I met a very nice chap called Jan Hubner at uh, Terminal 5. Uh, he was off on one of his jaunts to <laughs> Honolulu. And, As uh, you so do. He did promise me that when he got back uh, we would do a quick interview, which we did over Skype. Um, you know how we strive for the best possible audio quality? I, I think we've come up slightly short on this occasion. Nope. but uh, uh, You can still hear what he's saying, but it's, it wasn't the, the best connection. But uh, anyway, he's got a very interesting story to tell, so let's have a listen. Hello and welcome to another Nev's Passenger Experience. Well, you may remember that a couple of weeks ago I met up with Jan Hubner at Heathrow's Terminal 5 as he was on his way to Honolulu on a plane spotting trip, all of it in first class. Well, Jan is now back in Berlin and we caught up earlier this week to have a chat about his flying experience and what he thought about the service that he received. His first sector was from New York's JFK airport and I asked him what happened after we'd said goodbye at Heathrow. After we said goodbye, I went to the check-in uh, because my mobile app couldn't get me the boarding pass, which usually says there is something going on with your ticket. And I got the dreadful Quad S, uh, which means uh, special secondary security screening on flights to the US where they uh, do a little bit of uh, in-depth in security check. They go through your luggage and do the, uh, the explosive swipes before you board the plane. So that's why you can't get the mobile boarding pass. You need to go to check-in. I was actually searched for explosives twice on that day at Heathrow. 
Hmm. First, when I went to, to the normal security at the first wing, uh, they did the explosive swipe, and then again when I got on the plane. Well, and from there on, um, it was quite nice experience. Uh, I have to say, I was very pleased. Um, first off, um, the seven four seven BA flies is in a is in real good shape for their age. I mean, they're twenty five years old by now, I think. Mm. Uh, so they keep them they keep them quite well maintained from the cabin. Everything was pristine and nice and good conditions. And I had a fantastic uh, cabin crew on the way out to New York that was operated by what they call a mixed fleet. Very junior, um, but very nice um, French lady, Karine, uh, from Alsace, looking after me. It was funny because I used to live just a couple of kilometers away in Basel a couple of years ago. So by the accident, I was asked, I asked her where I come from, and she explained she was from Strasbourg. And I said, oh, I know the area quite well. I used to live around. And we had a nice chat and was great service. Uh, food was excellent. Now, you went first class, of course, didn't you? Uh, yeah. And was that up to what you expected? Uh, what I expected from the BA first experience, it was actually met my expectations, yeah. And, well, what, they, what I have to say what, and to point out is, uh, what I noticed in a couple of, since last year, BA uh, is trying to ex, uh, exceed the expectations when it comes to the, the effort the cabin crew puts in, the personal, the personal touch. Uh, that was really nice. So they were always polite, always addressed you by name. Uh, you hadn't had an empty glass of water or wine or whatever for, let's say, five or ten minutes. Somebody looked, looked around the cabin and came for a refill. And that was actually... Um, nice, really nice service, well executed. Mm, very good. So that got you as far as New York. And then how did you get to your destination from there? Well, I had two additional legs on American Airlines. One was the, the Transcontinental, um, where they have they use uh, Airbus A321s in a special configuration. So they have, and between the first two doors, they have, I think, five rows, 10 seats and first classes. One seat, they're slightly ample, uh, angled to the, to the windows, like in a 45 degree uh, from the plane or from, away, from the, away from the aisle. There's only one seat per side, which is nice. And then they have a business class section and I think only 70 seats in economy. JFK was a, a, a fantastic experience. Uh, I went to the lounge, had a shower, and then I heard an announcement on, this, on, on the PA system saying, Mr. Hübner, please come to the re reception desk. And I thought, well, I've got plenty of time to go to the plane. It's not, not even time for boarding now. And I went out, and a lady came, uh, came the opposite way, and I said, are you Mr. Hübner? I said, yes, I am. Uh, could you please follow me? I'll, um, I'll get you to the aircraft. I said, but actually, I know the way to the other to the other concourse, and that was driven uh, across the across the tarmac uh, in an SUV. Oh, very nice too. <laughs> so, then, yeah, then, personal uh, service. Wow. Yeah, then up the stairs into the into the jetty and straight into the aircraft. And uh, I, had a, I met uh, actually it was uh, the party yesterday. I met a guy from America. Asked him, "Is this the usual procedure?" And he said. Uh, there was something wrong, actually. They only do that for their concierge, concierge key members. And, well, that was a really cool treatment. Yeah, very nice, too. So uh, so that was great. And then what was the the next leg that you took? Well, I arrived in well, the Transcon. Uh, was fairly standard. I mean, you get you get a meal and five hours to sleep and to watch a movie. And I arrived in, uh, in L.A. quite late. I think 
around midnight, uh, went to the airport hotel, was in the Sheraton, I think, for a quick layover at five hours or so, and was on to Honolulu, on the Honolulu flight the next morning at 8 a.m. The bad, the downside there is you have to go to TSA again, and TSA, the security guys in the States, I have no idea what procedure they follow because every airport, every state is a different one. And the one in LA is, from my experience, not the most pleasant one. They're quite rude and they are quite slow. So it took me, I think, 20 minutes to get through security and that was priority lane. Oh, right. Okay. Well, actually, 20 minutes by anybody's standards isn't too bad, is it, really? Um, no, it's not too bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, excellent. So then you did some uh, plane spotting, didn't you, in Honolulu, yeah, which was the whole yeah. purpose of you going there. So tell yeah, us, tell us about purpose. that. Uh, I had a room in the there's a um, there's a Best Western Airport hotel which is a uh, little like half a mile uh, from the main terminal and it's like twelve story building and they gave me um, um, a room on the top on the top floor which was facing to the airport and I brought my telephoto lens and had the chance to take some nice nice pictures but the day after I arrived I arrived around three o'clock four o'clock. Um, on Saturday, <coughs> the weather wasn't really nice, but the next morning, Sunday, was really beautiful weather, nice sunshine, uh, great light uh, for plane spotting and taking pictures. And uh, one thing I I snapped was remember the maybe remember the TV series Magnum PI mm. from the 80s with Tom Selleck. Yep. And that guy had a friend in the series, his friend TC, the one with the with the helicopter. That chopper flew by the hotel. Oh, <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that was was just one day. I went to went downtown to bring bring some gifts for the woman uh, for the wife uh, in the afternoon. Next morning, I had to fly back, and I arrived at Honolulu Airport thing six o'clock in the morning for a seven o'clock flight. There was only one security checkpoint open. Oh dear, that will take you at least half an hour with the amount of people there. Actually, no, that was the fastest one. Because they looked at the TSA guys, looked at us. Nothing comes out of your back, leave your shoes on, belts on, just go through the metal detector, fine, there you go. That was really quick. So that's why I said I have no idea what procedures they follow. <laughs> yeah, they, they seem to make it up as they go along, don't they? Um, so. Yeah, and in, in California, they found some, in us, on the way back in Los Angeles, they found some gummy bears in my in my carry-on, which my colleagues gave me. You know, mm. it's like take some for the for the lonely night in the hotel, maybe you want some. And they made a fuss out of it because, it's, yeah, that's this gel, and you're not supposed to bring that, you know, that... Said that's not liquids. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> yeah, and then so you uh, so the revert. Did you do the the same on the reverse journey? Did you do the same routing? Yeah, it was on the, the way same. Well? Was yeah. the same. Was the same routing. Uh, given the fact that the transcontinental ones give you um, extra tier points in the BA program in Executive Club, which. Uh, a requ a requirement for the requalification for gold. Yeah. So I could I could actually do the like LA Phoenix Phoenix Miami Miami New York hops just for the pleasure of flying and having additional takeoffs and landings, but that would give me less points. So I mm. said okay, and the, the product itself is really nice. It was from LA uh, from LA. I was on a on a red eye flight. Spent the evening. 
in uh, the fine dining area, American Airlines have for their flagship lounge for the Emeralds, 100 Emerald members and first class passengers, they have a restaurant at Miami, JFK and Los Angeles, where uh, which is run by a local catering service and they are cooperating with a local restaurant, with one of the top-notch restaurants in the city. And you can go there and have like a full-blown restaurant service, dinner, and that was fantastic. I think I had a half a lobster and all those nice things and cheese plate and a couple of glasses of wine. And I got on the plane, looked at the flight attendants while they were still boarding and said, can I just change into my pajamas now? Should, yeah, go ahead. It was the same I had on the on the flight out to LA on fr the, the Friday before. So I was in my pajamas, ready to go. There was some new, some some uh, celebrity. Be just the seat behind me was a um, uh, was like a rap star in the states. I had no clue who it was. Like everybody in economy went passed by, said, "Hey, high five! Nice to see you, man! Great." And when they finished boarding, I turned around and said, excuse my ignorance, do I have to know you? It was just... <laughs> 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 and I snapped a picture from, the, from LA by night when we, when we uh, departed out and then fell asleep. And when I got up, that was, when I woke up, that was the morning when the, the moment when they said, and final preparations for landing into JFK, please put your seat in an upright position. I was just, oh! and I'm still in my pajamas. And the flight attendant came around, came uh, around the aisle and collecting the service items. I looked at her and said, couldn't you have woken me up a little earlier? She looked at me and said, I know you are fast. Just go to the bathroom now. <laughs> and I went to the, I went to the washroom, got on my 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 day clothes, and when I got back into my seat, we were literally a hundred feet above the ground. Like, <laughs> the moment the moment the seatbelt clicked, the wheels touched the tarmac. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's cutting it a bit fine, wasn't it? But uh, um, yeah. so overall, would you say that you really enjoyed all those amenities and those facilities that you had? I did, I did, and that's the I, I'd say for. Um, people who are the listeners who don't get that treatment that often there's actually the, the biggest luxury I think when you're on a, on a long-haul flight especially when you have a connection the biggest luxury I consider is having access to an airport lounge with a shower yeah after six or nine hours on a plane when you go have a bathroom have a hot shower you just feel human again after that well that gets you even a, it's like a discounted business class ticket or if you are in a position that your company sends you around Europe for business quite often when you have one of those magic cards um, that get you access, that's the biggest, the biggest luxury. I don't need the, the real great catering for long haul, but the, the, flat, the flatbed seats, they are uh, what make the difference. It's a make or break. If you have 18 hours on a plane with three stops, um, I'm myself, I probably wouldn't do that in economy if I don't have to. Well, Jan, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed uh, for telling us about your journey. Thanks for getting back, taking the time. Uh, thanks again for the great podcast. Have a great time. He's one of the luckiest oh, people in the world. Can you imagine <laughs> being able to just literally fly? For, uh, the, the, just the mere thought of 
flying first class just leaves just me all to... excitable. Oh. I've got to be honest. It's, yeah, just... it's, it's nice that he reports it, isn't it? Because obviously uh, most of us have got absolutely no prospect whatsoever of ever flying in that uh, in that class of travel. So it's really interesting to to hear what his experiences are like. And oh, um, as uh, we were saying in the chat room just now, and I think uh, Matthew Bunting Frame mentioned it as well, that one of the nicest things on, on one of those very long haul sexes is to have a nice hot shower or a cold oh, shower yeah, right at the end of it. it it just freshens you up just to freshen uh, you up and i mean you do, you yeah. would literally feel like you could get off the airplane well rested mm. get stuck into business and you know i mean i just just amazing it, it it's is just and 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 i think what was so so amazing it was uh the reason for doing a ship he's basically doing it to do a little bit of um a little bit of plane spotting which is just amazing oh, no. i just yeah. I, it's just it's 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 a wonderful way to spend your time isn't it i mean ah oh, you know god god bless you we need, we need to I get say. Jan over to uh, to Farnborough this we year. We do, absolutely, Nev. yes. Yes, he said he's going to try and come over, uh, so we will see him there. So uh, I said yeah. to him, you know, I'm presuming you're flying in directly from Berlin in your yeah. Gulfstream 650 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> straight, straight into the airport. <laughs> Quite right, yeah, absolutely. Straight into Farnborough. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 indeed. But Actually, so, yeah, he's going to be there, so we'll have a chat with him yeah, there. Lovely, and, uh, yeah. yeah, it'll be great to really see Really looking forward to Farnborough this year. It's yeah. going to be good yeah. fun. I, I did genuinely miss it last year because it's by every isn't yeah. it? And it yeah. I did genuinely miss it. On 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 the uh, calendar, it has to be. Lane said. has said that uh, Matt might even like a seven five seven flight if he was in first class. Very true, Lane. He probably would like it if it was all first class. Yeah. Um, yeah, he I would. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I really do hate that aircraft. So, <laughs> so <It's> mean, <laughs> Mino. I hate it that much. Anyway. Anyway, so moving on. We're uh, we've uh, yeah. got um, the first instalment from a new segment from Pilot Pip coming up in a bit. Uh, but first, we've got some military news stories to go through. So, if everyone's ready, yes, we certainly are. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> So the first news story on Flight Global, this one. And a few pictures as well, which Matt might pop up on the screen. Doing we'll see story. how he feels. See how he feels. <laughs> uh, so U.S. Marine Corps takes delivery of the first CH-53K. So Sikorsky delivered its first of an expected 200 CH-53K wow. heavy lift helicopters to the U.S. Marine Corps on the 16th of May, with the King Stallion due to achieve initial operational capability next year. To be stationed at uh, the military... Uh, the um, Corps Air Station New River I think that's uh, MA, MCAS Military Corps Air Station I think it is probably put right by the chat room <laughs> uh, in New River North Carolina the lead example of the three-engined rotor aircraft will be used during a supportability test activity US Marines will conduct a logistics assessment on the maintenance sustainment and overall logistics support of the King Stallion according to Sikorsky the Lockheed Martin owned company says there are over 18 additional aircraft in various stages of production already with its second CH-53K due to be delivered in early 2019 it adds that it's preparing to commence production 
at its Stratford site in Connecticut this summer. The King's Stallion fleet will replace the United States Marine Corps' CH-53Es, which have been in service since 1981. Fleet's analyzer shows 142 examples remaining in operational use. So, of course, he is, uh, their incoming model has been demonstrated uh, its ability to carry an underslung load weighing more than 16,300 kilos, or 37,000 pounds, three times that of the previous model, while its maximum speed is in excess of 200 knots. Potential export opportunities? Is that the phone, Matt? It would be the phone. That would be America calling. But uh, <laughs> potential export Hopefully opportunities. Hopefully, Charlotte will get it from home. It's someone ordering a CH53K. That's what is it is. Is it right? Okay, it's more likely to be cards, actually, if I'm honest. Okay. But, yeah. So potential export opportunities for the type include a German requirement to replace an aged infantry of CH53G series transports. A King Stallion made its international debut at the International um, Berlin Air Show late last month, with Sikorsky facing competition from the Boeing CH. H-47 Freighter Chinook, or the F Chinook. These helicopters are huge, it's safe to say. Um, I remember seeing a, a Discovery documentary on the on the mm. Stallion um, a few a few uh, weeks back on Discovery, actually, on these. And they, these are massive helicopters, uh, are capable they? of lifting, you know, real, real sort of big loads. But um, it's uh, good to see that uh, Sikorsky are still going very yeah, much very well. Much so, yeah. so next story yeah. uh, is for you, Matt. Uh, yes, and uh, it's uh, potentially a sort of uh, an exciting story, really, because uh, uh, as the story will become clear, it's on the Air Force Times, and the headline is, After Tragic Fatal Crash, Air Force Thunderbirds to Return to the Sky, which is great news. So six weeks after suffering their first fatal crash in decades, uh, the Air Force Thunderbirds are preparing to resume public performances. The U.S. Air Force Air Demonstration Squadron, as the Thunderbirds are formally known, will appear at the Air Air Power over Hampton Roads show at Joint Base Langley Eustace in Virginia on the 19th of May and the 20th of May, according to a release on Monday. The Thunderbirds look forward to safely resuming public shows at Air Power over Hampton Roads, said Lieutenant Colonel Kevin Walsh, the Thunderbirds commander and lead pilot. It's been challenging to get us to this point, uh, but the team is resilient, focused and ready to get back to our mission of recruiting, retaining and inspiring. The Thunderbirds have not performed since uh, Major Stephen Cajun D. Del Bagno died in uh, an F-16 crash on the 4th of April at the Nevada Test and Training Range. Uh, Del, uh, Del Bagno of Valencia, California. Is it Valencia? Yeah, Valencia, California was an experienced F-35A pilot in his first season with the Thunderbirds and flew its number four jet as slot pilot. His death was the first fatal mishap uh, suffered by the Thunderbirds in 36 years and the community mourned his death as they prepared to eventually resume performing. A former um, Thunderbird pilot, Major Nick Khan Kraknik, said uh, that, uh, sorry, he's returned to the squadron to succeed Del Bagno as slot pilot. The Thunderbirds announced on the 26th of April. Six performances were cancelled following Del Bagno's death as the team recovered and then trained with Kragjek. So uh, the, the Thunderbirds will travel to Langley Eustace earlier in the week 
um, for more practice time. We are extremely grateful for the support, faith and confidence of our senior Air Force leadership as we prepare to showcase our United States Air Force to the public once more, Walsh said. As we hit uh, the road, we'll carry on our wingman's legacy with pride. And if you take yourself over to the airforcetimes.com website, there is with that story there is a quite um, in-depth list of uh, all the shows that the Thunderbirds are going to be attending uh, this year, um, right th- uh, May right through to June, July, mm. August right through till the end of uh, end of November, actually beginning of November, um, where they'll be at the Florida Wings over Homestead. Mm. Um, there. But yeah, take yourselves over there if you want more info. Indeed. So Nev, uh, the last uh, story, a bit of a bit of a uh, Dan Bustery esque kind of story. This one, it is, and uh, of course, military aviation. Well, you get your, all that information from the Mirror Dot. Of course, you do. absolutely. <laughs> yes, it's where it's my first port of call. Obviously, <laughs> well, it's a good story though because it says the the new Dan Busters will get into Britain within weeks. The Defence Secretary announced today the 150 million pound F-35 Lightning II jets will begin arriving at their UK base RAF Marham in Norfolk. Early next Ooh. month, Captain Williamson confirmed. The legendary 617 Squadron of Lancaster Bombers, famed for its daring bouncing bomb raids on the Ruhr Valley dams 75 years ago, has been revived to welcome the stealth fighters, uh, the RAF's latest warplanes. And versions of the jets will eventually fly from the Queen Elizabeth-class aircraft carriers. They're due to fly across the Atlantic from the US, supported by several refueling top-ups. William said, 75 years ago, the dam busters pushed the boundaries of what was possible. That same spirit of innovation continues today as the dam busters of today prepare to fly the world's most advanced fighter jet in the skies over the UK. And just like those Lancasters, which played such a vital role in the Second World War, the F-35B Lightning is based on great British design, operating with futuristic technology to an adapt to adapt to an increasingly dangerous world. The new 617 Squadron's commanding officer, Wing Commander John Butcher, said, I have the great privilege of leading a jointly manned squadron made up of the best engineers, mission support personnel and pilots from the Royal Air Force and the Royal Navy. The original Dambuster Squadron did not know what their mission was going to be until the last moment, yet they had to make sure that they were ready and that is as true for us today. The spectrum of missions we can undertake on the F-35 will be huge and we have to make sure we are ready to do whatever is asked for us. So that's a great story, isn't it? And, it is. Um, how far is uh, Marham from you guys? Uh, it's about 50 mile away from us, uh, yeah. Nev. Yeah, it's um, as, as the crow flies. It's about an hour, hour's drive from mm. where we live here. Mm. So it's not yeah. far. No, so not it's safe to all, say, yeah. I think, um, we'll probably end up seeing a few of those around here, Matt, yeah. I'd imagine, in Can't the sky. Wait. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Gotta have to, it, have to dig the dig the large lens out, right, I think, for indeed. that. That's what she said, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> no, it's a great story, Nev. It's always uh, nice to, to to hear a, a squadron with such um, mm. you know you know a, a good background, amazing background. Um, Six one seven squadron still very much uh, in in you know in service. Tis. So we bring that uh, segment to a close, but we have got coming up for you next. Uh, it's a new segment from Pilot Pip, and it's uh, it's kind of the uh, Pip's pilot experience. So yeah. it's 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 PPE 
not to be confused with safety workwear and, um, and right. stuff, but... <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, yes, indeed. So it is, uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome the legendary Pip onto the show. Plane safety from the flight deck with pilot Pip. Hi everybody, it's Pip here with a new segment. Rather than trying to do the safety from the flight deck segments, which were a little bit uh, inconsistent as you may have noticed I'm going to be trying something new and I'm going to be delivering a little bit of a, a diary segment uh, something that I'm calling Pip's pilot experience uh, so hopefully each week I'm just going to be telling you a little tale or a little story of, of what I've been up to and anything interesting that's happened in my previous few days of flying um, so for this week I've had well quite an interesting little week it's been a cheeky monkey of a week actually I'm on currently day four of a six-day trip. Um, long story short, but uh, as it happens, I'm probably finishing today. But I started four days ago with a very uh, interesting and unwanted experience, uh, something that doesn't happen to me very often at all. But I had a very early show at Luton Airport. Uh, I think it was meant to be about a 5 a.m. show, perhaps even a bit earlier. Uh, so, I, being the good pilot that I am, the night before I packed my bag and I folded up all my stuff and put it away neatly, ready for the morning so I didn't have to spend too long getting ready. Uh, and set my alarm and went off for a nice early night, get my beauty sleeping, because Lord knows I need it. Um, and then I woke up in the morning by the wife's alarm, and I thought, God, why is her alarm going off before mine? And of course, it wasn't going off before mine, it was going off after mine. In fact, <laughs> two hours after mine. Oh my God, I'd overslept by two hours. So uh, I probably set a world record that morning from waking up to getting in the car and driving out of my driveway with something slightly less than 10 minutes. I managed to quickly run downstairs, have a shower, get my bags and, uh, and get out the door. Uh, frantically on the phone to people, apologizing profusely uh, luckily, it wasn't a, a passenger flight that morning. We were just positioning over to Munich, if memory serves. Uh, anyhow, I arrived and stepped onto the aircraft 10 minutes after our scheduled departure time. So I was uh, in a, you know, a bit of a fluster that morning. Luckily, the guys have been great. They've got everything ready and we're ready to go. So I basically jumped in. We switched the thing off, a quick brief, and, and off we went. Now, it would have been nice if that was the end of the excitement that day, but it wasn't. So this was the fun part. We were out of Luton, uh, across Kent and over the channel, over towards the Belgium coast, enjoying the beautiful morning that it was, lovely, sunny, calm morning, looking out the window, enjoying the view, when bing, we get a bing noise, and look down and some yellow flashing lights, and our... Uh, ICAS, our electronic uh, crew alerting system, tells us that we have a bleed to leak. Hmm, that's interesting, we say to ourselves. So, uh, what are we talking about? A bleed to leak? Well, the bleed system is that system, pneumatic system, that takes hot air from the engine, bleed air from the engine, and feeds it into the cabin for pressurization, uh, for air conditioning, and also for the anti icing system on the wings and the horizontal stabilizer. Uh, so this indication was telling us that we have a leak somewhere in the number two system, on the number two engine. Now, as far as uh, abnormals and emergencies go, if we put it on a scale of one to ten in seriousness, let's say if one is a broken fingernail and ten 
is the engines have fallen off. Well, a bleed leak uh, probably registers at about a three, maybe a four, I would say. But it definitely has the potential to become a six or a seven. So what do we do? We follow all our, our, uh, our training and, and checklists. We acknowledge the malfunction. We cancel the warning. We establish who's in control of the aircraft. Uh, any memory items, well, no, not for this. It's only a, a yellow abnormal warning. So we go for the checklist and have a look through. And one of the really nice things on the, uh, on the Lemon is the electronic checklist. So we can dedicate one of the three screens or even half of one of the three screens to the checklist. So we go through, pull up the checklist and we can start reading it out and we can click it and it goes from white to green as we complete each item. And I think it's a really nice system because it keeps both of us very much in the loop. Whereas before, if you're working off a paper QRH or checklist, then kind of one person's got it on his knee and it's very difficult for the other guy to, to see exactly where you are on the checklist. Um, so the checklist has us, first of all, turn off that bleed, so the number two system, check that the associated warnings uh, for, that, for that comes up, to wait a few minutes to see if it settles down and to see if the bleed to leak message extinguishes, which initially it did which is a good thing so if by shutting down the bleed system and the warning light extinguishes that would indicate that we have isolated the leaking bleed air because remember this air is very very hot air under high pressure and the last thing you want is this hot air going into parts of the airplane where it shouldn't where it might be a fire hazard so that's a good thing shutting down the bleed to system and the warning goes out indicating that we've isolated the leak. Now, if it doesn't go out, then that indicates that the bleed is somewhere further downstream of the sensors and potentially you've got a bigger issue. And if that's the case, then the checklist directs you in another um, direction, takes you off in another avenue and it has you shut down the engine. Eventually it has you make a, an emergency descent down to 10,000 feet. Uh, so that's where it all becomes a bit more complicated. But luckily, in this case, the message extinguished. So, hmm, so that's good. So we get onto the, uh, onto the bat phone, onto the satellite phone, and we're going to talk to our maintenance department and our fleet manager. However, whilst we were on the phone, that same bleed to leak yellow message started flashing up again. It would flash up for a few seconds and then disappear. So that's kind of worrying now because that perhaps potentially indicates that we've not isolated the leak and we've got this nasty hot high pressure air somewhere where it shouldn't so then we're thinking oh crikey we're going to have to start making an emergency descent or a rapid descent i should say potentially putting on the oxygen masks you know we've still got the other bleed system which is more than capable of uh, maintaining pressurization and everything else but you're now down to single bleed operations um, but that light was a bit intermittent. It wasn't coming on and staying on. It was coming on for a few seconds and then going off. And then five minutes later, it would flash back up again. So it's not quite black and white as the checklist might lead you to believe. So eventually, um, having this light coming on and off and talking to the maintenance department, it was decided that we would actually divert to London Stansted Airport, where we have uh, Embraer has maintenance facilities there. Uh, so that's what we did. 
and we left the aircraft there for the engineers to, to puzzle over it and figure out what went wrong. Um, but I think that's quite a nice example uh, highlighting the fact that, you know, the checklists don't always cover every situation. You need to, I mean, you need to follow them, of course, but you've got to use a certain amount of common sense and airmanship and experience to to decide what you're going to do when it doesn't exactly follow that nice numbered checklist leading you from point A to B and C, etc. So that uh, that left us in Stansted at uh, like 6 a.m. And I thought, oh, well, that's, you know, despite the, the start to the day, the mad rush to get to the airport, that was actually a very short day. But oh, no, they had us then get on a flight to uh, Barcelona to pick up another aircraft. But not just any flight, a Ryanair flight. Now, this is a new thing for us. For the last 10, 11 years that I've been at SafeJets, we've not been allowed to fly with that. Uh, said airline except in exceptional circumstances unless there's no other option we're not allowed to fly with Ryanair um, but that's changed just the other week and uh, our travel department scheduling department can now book us on Ryanair flights which is a bit hmm not sure how I feel about that certainly no issues from a safety point of view I've got absolutely no qualms with Ryanair uh, and their operation from a safety point of view I know their pilots are very well trained people and more than capable of doing the job but you know what it's like with these super low-cost carriers the customer service the comfort and all the rest of it so i, I worry slightly that uh, <laughs> sitting on ryanair flights is going to become a regular occurrence i hope not touch wood now so we picked up another aircraft and the plan was another very early start the next day which is very interesting for a couple of reasons uh, mostly because it was pre 6 a.m and we have this rule uh, at work at safe jets it's a portuguese rule actually it's not doesn't come from easa flight time limitations it's a little add-on from the portuguese anac because our aoc is based in portugal that says if you have two consecutive starts before uh, 5 59 a.m or within the wackle period which stands for work outside circadian low then you have to have 36 hours rest including two local nights so now us guys based in the UK, we tend to get bitten with that more often than the European guys because we're an hour behind them, of course. Um, so it looked like I was going to get double wackled, as we called it, which meant I would have to have at least a day plus two nights off. Now, I was quite happy about that because our plan was having us uh, overnight or to finish the day in, uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but somewhere in Turkey, a nice coastal town in Turkey. So I had visions of all-inclusive hotels with lovely beaches and lovely bronze tans, girls in bikinis and all the rest of it. And I thought, ha ha, Pip, you've struck gold here. Uh, but alas, as often is the case, the plan changed on short notice. And we actually ended up in Waterford in Ireland, <laughs> which is not quite uh, a nice beach in Turkey, is it? So we ended up having 36 hours off in Waterford, which is a lovely place. Uh, we don't, it's somewhere I've never been before anyway. Uh, and we actually ended up having a very nice day and we went off and played a nice round of golf, which is something I enjoy tremendously. I'm not sure you could say golf is what I do. I like to go out and hit a ball with a stick and sort of churn up the grass a bit and make some holes and divots in the fairways. Uh, I think it would be a stretch to describe what I do as playing golf, but I like to give it a go. So, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes life, 
works out in a very nice way. After a hectic and busy, unexpected start, I had a very relaxed and pleasurable finish to this tour. Uh, and now I finished today, day four, Friday in Luton. So uh, I guess I'm probably going to head home a few days early because I'm, I'm not needed anymore. So uh, that's a bit of a win as far as I'm concerned. Hooray! So anyway, my little segment here has rambled on for long enough. I hope you've enjoyed it, um, and I hope you've enjoyed it enough to want me to come back and do another one uh, very soon. Until then, take care, everybody. Fly safe, and it's back to the boys in the studio. Well, it's safe to say Pip's back. It's, yes, he is. It's a long time since I've been referred to as a boy. I know. <laughs> Thank you for that, Pip. Yeah, absolutely. Next week, please, would be great for the next one. <laughs> yeah, with with video as well. Get oh, the, oh, get oh, the oh, GoPro. Steady, 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 steady. <laughs> let's, let's not push our luck there, absolutely. But, oh, uh, yes. uh, it's, been, it's nice to have you back, uh, back on board again, Pip. Well done. Thank you for that. Agreed. Agreed. And, and Steph's, Steph's put quite rightly there, PPE. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yes, very nice, Pip, yes. Personal protective equipment. Stop it. I know. That's not <laughs> what it means in this context. Stop being horrible. <laughs> oh, dear. So that uh, we're going to start to wrap up the show we are, now. Yep. And uh, we're, uh, we're obviously going to say a big thanks again to Jan as well, To uh, if you're listening for your uh, very much so. awesome a uh, couple of segments there with with Nev and uh, Nev is uh, it's it'll be good like I said good to meet up with him possibly at uh, Farmer if he if he's going to come yeah very much looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to meeting lots of people there as well I just can't believe it's it's two years since we were there last time. I know, it's mm. gone so fast, hasn't it? It's flown, isn't it? I, 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 I sort of alluded when we were talking about this before, actually. It's, it's like, it's, when, you, when you think about what, what the sort of things we were getting up to when we went to Farnborough like two years ago and the position that, that we, you know, what we're doing now, I mean, first of all, we, we've gained like the most amazing co-host that is the legend, Sir Legend yes. of, of Boundsness. Yes. I mean, it's just been, it's been an amazing whirlwind two years. I've done things that I never thought I would mm. ever have been yeah. able to do um you know off the back of this this wonderful enterprise <laughs> no it's been a really really good uh, good uh, few years and it'll be nice to yeah. hopefully uh, for those of you who listen not just to the youtube uh, stream but obviously to those of you who listen to mm. the downloadable show if you download yeah. your audio and stuff uh, and uh, you're listening it'd be great to to see you all at farnborough yep um well obviously we'll we'll be there with mm. our, our ptuk shirts on we and will. stuff so you'll, you will yes. be able be able to see us there but if you do want to grab yourself uh, your own ptuk t-shirt there are still some in our little stock room they are indeed. Um, yeah. and how can they get their hands on one of those matt uh take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com on there is a special page all about the the uh, i can't remember is it store i think it's called store it? yeah click yes. on the store button and instructions on how to order your t-shirt are on there yeah. So, uh, Nev, uh, what's, what have you got in the, uh, the, the back burner for future NPE segments? Any? Uh... Well, we've got a few uh, which are almost ready to go. I, I uh, spoke to Matt Caton the other day, so we had a good chat. Now, Matt, if you remember, was the very nice fellow that supplied all that great B 
beer for us <laughs> on the 200th show. That was mm. absolutely superb. I hadn't actually realised how much flying he does. So he's quite a regular uh, flyer, and uh, he he likes the finer things in life as well. So he's been oh, doing some, bad. you know, some premium economy, economy and business class stuff as well. So uh, I had a good old chat with him the other day. So I'll be ready to go uh, for next week. So we'll look forward to hearing Excellent. from him then. Very much. So, Excellent. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Yeah. So don't forget, uh, we'll be at Farnborough this year, and also uh, off the back of that, don't forget as well. In a few weeks' time on, oh, blimey, it's uh, next Sunday, isn't it, Nev? Uh, yes, Sunday week, we are off to Bruntingthorpe uh, Airfield and uh, to meet up with uh, Neil. I think Neil Landmore will be there. And yeah. uh, uh, Carlos and I will be there doing some interviews and uh, I'll take my camera with me and uh, we should have a good time. Just, uh, once again, hope the weather's nice. That's always Fingers the, crossed, the yeah. good thing. Uh, but you never quite know what you're going to get this time of year. But, no, uh, you don't. I'm hoping it'll be nice. But uh, yeah, we should be, uh, should be coming away with some, some nice footage. But yeah, anyone that's uh, around on the 27th yeah, that's uh, it yeah and, uh, please come and join us look forward to seeing it um actually just from a personal point of view on tuesday of next week which is the 22nd i'm off to the rf museum at hendon to meet up with some of the apg folks oh yes down there so i'm, I'm taking some recording gear down Good. there so yeah. again if anybody's about uh, uh, on uh, tuesday of next week uh, look forward to seeing you down at hendon that's Very it, much, uh, yeah. Tony. Yeah, you're correct there. Week on Sunday, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, as Nev was saying, we'll get to see some uh, some of the listeners there yep. at uh, Bruntingthorpe. Yeah, it's, it's the Cold War Jets Day, so they have the kind of um, ground runs a lot with some of the engines and stuff on the aircraft, sort of Very fired cool. up and stuff. That's going to be loud, isn't it? It's, it's going to be loud. Yes, absolutely. Uh, air defenders may be the way forward. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and ho hopefully, Nev, we might get a chance to see that amazing super guppy uh, oh, of that course, we. Uh, yeah, that we talking to Neil about a few weeks back so that'd be great to see yeah. that up close and personal. yeah lots of nice video footage of that please Sinev. yeah yeah definitely yeah, we'll do that Indeed. um so um yeah uh, obviously we spoke about that breaking news story uh, mm. right yeah what you got now for the show is there any update on that at all uh, Carlos uh let's have a little look and see if Indeed. we can find while he's doing that as we are in the process of wrapping up the show if you'd like to get in touch with the show it is podcast at plain talking uk.com you'll find us on social media using the tag at plain Plain Talking UK, and uh, yeah, as I say, the website www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, Pilot Pip, who you heard a moment ago, his show, he's just released a, a great episode actually entitled Keep Calm and Go Around, uh, Plane <laughs> Safety Podcast. That's www.plainsafetypodcast.com. So the latest update then before we finish the show uh, on that breaking news story that we had earlier. Uh, this is on the BBC News and uh, bbc.co.uk. And they're saying that more than 100 people have died. There are, According to BBC, there are three survivors wow. who are in critical condition in hospital. Um, and uh, it just does say that the plane came down shortly after takeoff, crashing into a field. Um, but obviously that is uh, obviously an ongoing story. Mm. Um, very sad news indeed. Obviously uh, anything to do with with aviation, but um, yeah, especially when when people, uh, you yeah. know, passengers are, are involved, it's, it's yeah. very very sad. 
So that is where we are going to bring episode uh, 217 to a close. We're going to say a big, a huge thank you to everyone who has joined us tonight in the live YouTube chat room. Thank you to all of you guys and girls in there. It's been great to see all the uh, PTUK family in the live chat room. And uh, don't forget, there is a, a certain other podcast happening this evening. Very shortly. Very shortly. Yes, as soon as um, Steph gets home, basically. Yeah. As soon as Dr. Steph gets home, uh, APG are going to be uh, starting their show. And uh, I think it's safe to say we, we're all uh, we're gonna we're gonna well shut shut up shop and and, and go away and the studio it, yeah, and absolutely go. <laughs> yeah indeed uh, uh, for those of you who like to follow the live show we're not actually doing one next Friday it's actually going to be I think did we say it was Saturday next week. No, that, uh, no, is, is it next Friday? Oh, I can't. Yeah, it's definitely not next Friday because I'm, I'm working next Friday. So yeah, I'm, the twenty fifth. Yeah, the twenty fifth is yes, that's correct, and I'm working. So oh, uh, so we're going to do the twenty sixth. Is we? that so okay with you, sir? He's looking at his calendar. Yes, six, isn't it? Yes, uh, in the evening. Yes, uh, that's uh, yes, that's okay. right. We were going to do an evening, weren't we? For a yes, change. Yes, that's right. Yes, I should yeah. really should have put that in my diary, shouldn't I? But uh, yes, that uh, that works for me. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Okay. Just checking. Uh, he's been. He yes. 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 Next Saturday evening, because that's a that's a obviously the day before me yes, and Nev travel down to Bronte. Right. Yes. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We did have. We did have this chat yeah, like before. So everybody's looking at me blankly like we I'm have got. got, got <laughs> so so next week for a change, we're going to be doing a Saturday, Saturday evening, so and the following week will be a Saturday as well. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah so, but anyway, more details about that will be coming up. So no live show uh, if you are following the live shows. Uh, no live show on uh, Friday the twenty sixth. Twenty uh, fifth. Sorry, it'll be on Saturday the 26th, 26th. at 7pm uh, is what we're going to aim for. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So we're going to say good night and goodbye and thanks to everyone again. Episode 217, it's been fun. Yes. Have a great weekend, whatever you're doing across the globe. And take care, everyone. And, uh, yeah. Um, there well, we are. Yes, yeah, so everyone say goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>